Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. This is the Discipleship Podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church and is brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. Uh, Together we encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Sitting around the table, our usual cast of characters, uh, Tim Michelangeli, Scott Slater, Matt Bates. My name is Spencer Snow, pastors here at the church. And uh, this week, we're continuing our series on the Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity. Pastor Scott, you want to kick us off? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so weird. Yeah, so the last time... We had a conversation. We were talking about the commandment that inviting questions is more valuable than supplying answers. And the commandment this week is, I think, kind of reveals the reason why that is true. Why is it important to invite questions but not supply answers? And this commandment is encouraging the personal search is more important than group uniformity. What that's referring to is the idea that You coming to beliefs and conclusions about spiritual matters is not necessarily important for it to match the beliefs and conclusions of other people, primarily in the context of a church and what a church teaches doctrinally. And so um, we've been kind of referencing some Instagram posts that kind of demonstrate this, what this looks like. And so this is one where a person would say, Uh, That one of the reasons people like me are flocking to, quote-unquote, new age spirituality is because it teaches us how to live into ourselves instead of constantly denying ourselves. So what's being communicated there is the idea that self-denial in terms of denying your own opinions, your own thoughts, your own conclusions about reality and everything, uh, denying that is not healthy, it's not good. But whereas in progressive Christianity, what they call New Age age spirituality, you don't have to deny yourself those things because what you think is actually what's the most important thing, right? So in any any instance seen where a, a body outside of you, like a church, would correct something that you believe or that you think or even correct the way that you live uh, is a bad thing, a negative thing that should not happen. And it causes what they would call spiritual harm, right? So that's this. Is that a good idea? Good commandment to follow? No? Yes? No. Oh, (laughs) no. That was was a hard one. Next question? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Next question. All right. That's a wrap. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This one starts to get at the heart of the progressive Christians' dislike of the institutional church. Mm-hmm. What they would call as as the institutional church, why why do you guys think that a person that is on this personal journey would not want to put a lot of weight and want to distance themselves from an official body that that we would call the church? Why would they want to get away from that? Well, there's a misunderstanding, I guess, of church, but I mean, I guess I could under that, understand that from a viewpoint. Like, I'm not very big on putting uh, bumper stickers on my car or, or raising some flag in my yard, even like of a, of a sport team that I like just because, just because I root for, I know a particular sport team doesn't mean I agree with everything they do or say, you know, or 
or what. And so just to distance myself from that, even having those questions, uh, you know, I try to stay away from that. So maybe there's some sense of that where like they don't necessarily hate the church and, and, and some of the things it stands for, but they don't want to stand for everything it stands for. So they just distance themselves, uh, in that way. So, I mean, I guess I have a little bit of that in me to understand maybe where they're, where they're coming from, but it's definitely a misunderstanding of the church. And again, I think we said this in previous podcasts, but these are really hard to answer questions because they just make no sense. And I mean, my mind instantly went to, uh, second Timothy four, three, it's a verse we all know. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. <clears throat> I don't know how any verse is, would better describe what mm-hmm. we're talking about here. That mm-hmm. is literally what they're saying. And they, they, might, they might even take it a step further. Like, I don't even need teachers. I got myself. I know what I want. I don't mm-hmm. even need to hear that from them. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what's right because mm-hmm. this is how I feel. This is what I desire. It, there's an elevation of the self. Mm-hmm. In their in the progressive Christians' mind here, mm-hmm. that it's somehow gotten into their mind that it's unhealthy to deny yourself, which actually goes directly against what we're commanded by Christ right, to right. deny yourself. Mm-hmm. What else would it mean to deny yourself uh, in that way? But I think that's really what it is. It's an elevation of the self uh, over and above. And what what this one reveals, because like you said, it's just doesn't make sense as Christianity anymore. But I think what it reveals is how far away their understanding of what Christianity is in the first place. Can I ask this though? Is this only, they don't like group uniformity when it comes to doctrine and theology, but they wouldn't say that about social causes. Oh, absolutely. Right. And so you should be, have a uniform agreeance to adhere to some social cause, yep. but not to a theological belief right yes absolutely but i would say though there are theological right. creeds uh, yeah so there's something um that's kind of been going around so the youth have been using rebecca mclaughlin's uh per, um confronting christianity book she actually wrote another book a newer book called the secular creed and you'll actually see signs maybe not recently this is a while back but you'd see signs in people's yards or on their windows, and the secular creed says, Black Lives Matter, love is love, women's rights are human rights, we are all immigrants, diversity makes us stronger. That's a creed. That's a creed. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a creed. And her, that, that book that she wrote is going through that creed. And so, yes, again, in most of these, we've seen a level of hypocrisy, even, and that definitely exists here. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas, like, yeah, your personal journey, so long as your personal journey leads you to these conclusions on these issues. Mm-hmm. Right. But on other things that result to God, Christ, it's your personal thought and how you express it that matters the most. And that's that. why I asked because, like, the Black Lives Matter thing, like you said, you know, that was, how long, I don't even know how long ago that was. Is that... Like a year ago, maybe a little more. Black like Ma- Black Lives Matter was I don't know if organization is the right word, but they're uh, something. They're uh, a group or something, and you can actually go and read what they believe. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so there was this danger where, from the sensitivity side of the racial stuff, you know, to say people wanted you to say Black Lives Matter, and it was like, 
Well, I can definitely say that if you mean, do I think there's value in people who are African-American? Yes. But to say I stand for the Black Lives Matter movement and organization, if I read all this stuff, I can't say I agree with all this stuff. So I can't align, I can't align myself to this group, right? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of doing what they're doing with the church. I'm saying I can't align with the church. So I don't agree with everything. Um, but I just think it's interesting then that they would go so far as to kind of say, we don't want to, we don't want to align with anything. I mean, that's just a lie. They're just lying or mm-hmm. kidding themselves. I don't, I don't know. They have to, to say uniformity is, is not important is, is definitely not true to them. They want uniformity. Yeah. But to a different set of beliefs. That's why it, it seems unfair, very unfair. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you said, hip, hypocritical, I guess is a, a good word too, but I don't know. It's just, and it's hard to even engage then in conversation with people who are living this way because it's almost like you're in two different realities, two different worlds uh, where your bases are just totally different. You know, they, yeah. they see a foot as three inches and I'm seeing a foot as 12 inches and mm-hmm. it's like, I don't even know then how to have a conversation, how well, that's, we can build something. That, that's really important because that is, that's kind of what I was saying. When you hear somebody say this and actually agree with this, what that reveals is that they have a very different set of assumptions mm-hmm. that they're working with. Um, the book that we're using uh, to kind of talk through these by Michael Kruger, he has a really good quote um, in the book that I think really helps identify this. He says that the problem is that hidden within this approach, so the approach of a personal journey as opposed to group uniformity, the problem is that hidden within this approach is an enormous and unspoken assumption, namely that God has not clearly revealed himself. And so at the end of the day, where this leads is this leads to outright relativism in mm-hmm. terms of what you believe. Because the reason that group uniformity is not important is because absolute truth does not exist. That's really the underlying assumption philosophically in this person's worldview that is going on. And the big problem with this is if you ask, if you say that the personal journey is what's important, that means that the destination doesn't matter. It's not about the destination because there is no destination. You know, you talk about like different paths leading to the same top of the mountain. To them, there is no top of the mountain. There's no place to get. And so you end up, this was another Instagram post that we, as uh, with the youth group, looked at. Just to demonstrate, if you live with this assumption, this is how far it can go. This is a woman who, uh, who posted uh, this on, as she was talking about, her deconstruction and exvangelical hashtags. So this is what she says. She says, here I am, finally being me, opening to the wild spaces that I denied and suppressed for so long. All because some man with white hair in a pulpit once said it was the best way to make God happy. The thing is, God is a woman, and she is wild, and pleasing her looks very much like pleasing yourself. Today, it pleases me to post pictures of myself with my stomach showing, wearing my biggest vintage hoops, and my most intense septum ring, bare feet pressed into the earth, growing roots, feeling her pain, which is just an echo of my own, resolving to heal both. If you must leave, I bid you the gentlest farewell. I understand this life is hard. Freedom feels a certain way for us all. There are times when we can stand in its heat and times we cannot. Both are acceptable and both are good. But your departure will not cause me to falter my step. Now that I've learned to love this freedom, to stand in its white-hot heat, now that I understand what worship actually means, 
Your presence in my life is the price I'll pay over and over and over until the end of time. You know, so she's basically just kind of outright putting out there what she believes and says, if you don't agree with that, bye-bye. You know, and uh, she obviously ends up somewhere pretty far from historical Christianity. So, and you all were asked, I could tell you didn't know what a septum ring was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know what that is. Do you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's it's right there on your nose. Oh, that's what Mm. that's called? Yeah. Yeah. Deviated septum. Oh, yeah. There we go. Mm. There you go. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Probably some sports injury can happen. I have a deviated (laughs) septum. Do not be alarmed. Someone punched me in the nose. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, that was a heavyweights reference. (laughs) Um, But that's that's just an example of how far that can go. Yeah. Yeah, I think also, um, I have to say this, I haven't read the book, but I think it ties into probably where Carl Truman's book the rise and triumph of the modern self. He's he's talked about how we came up with a different understanding of what the self even is. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing that play out like in those statements who I, that's kind of what we see with the whole gender identity thing is I can externally physically be a man, but internally I'm really a woman. And so he talks about how in the, his book, he's trying to make sense of, how do we understand who we are to where we get to the place where that statement makes sense in our society today? And similarly, with, with people that say, I finally know who I am, and God is a woman, um, and, and all of those things, it, there's actually a whole uh, set of assumptions they've brought to, to what makes a self. And sadly, we've actually probably imbibed part of that in the church as well that the internal per the internal feelings and subjectiveness that i feel is really who i am instead of external realities dictating to me who i am um it's internal things that 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 are willy-nilly and subjective that i create my own reality reality is is like she's saying it's leading her to freedom the bible would say it's letter to slavery Mm -hmm. um and that's the sad thing is is uh is it in one of the epistles that says they, they proclaim freedom, but they themselves are slaves um, to these things. And so that's the sad thing is that she's fine. They are looking for freedom and, and um, looking for, I suppose, some good things, but they're, they are um, obviously deceived and blinded to thinking that this is where they're found. Mm-hmm. And they're really not. Mm-hmm. Um, also, one of the things, too, I think is interesting, and I think this is helpful, is um, we you know group uniformity and talking about the church, and this is something maybe that I would it would be interesting to talk to progressive Christians and um, or, or wh- whatever title they wish to take about this, because and I, I think uh, Miles Smith, who's a professor at Hillsdale, I think I heard him talk about this one time. I think this is very helpful. He says when people talk about the American church, he says there's actually not an American church. There's all sorts of denominations with all sorts of different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, what church are you talking about? Because even amongst evangelicals, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people, lots of different types of churches. So I think it's it's easy to throw the generic of the church has failed. Yeah. Well, maybe that church mm-hmm. failed, but that doesn't, th- you know, it's kind of like, well, we got to be really specific. If they're going to, if they're going to critique uh, institutions, as we'll see later on, but, 
um, if they're going to do that, they need to be very specific about what institutions or groups they're critiquing because they're not all the same. Mm-hmm. The Roman Catholic Church is very different from a, a local Baptist church, which is very different from a Lutheran church, which is very different from a Pentecostal church. So um, just being very honest about the exact points you're disagreeing with. Now, I'm assuming that they're going to disagree with a lot of those things that are basic apostles creed Christianity. Um but still, I think that's another helpful um, clarification that would be helpful to have them clarify for us mm. is what is this group you're critiquing? And I'm assuming they're just going to say, though, anybody who believes the Apostles' Creed. <laughs> I would I would think it's even more simple than that. It's not just anybody who believes the Apostles' Creed. It's anybody that would tell me that I have to believe anything. Right. Anybody that would impose me believing anything and but the, the struggle with that is they're telling us to believe all kinds of things. Oh, I'm not saying it's consistent. That's the problem. It's right. not so then consistent it can't be, at all. It can't be then believe anything. It must be just they don't like the Bible. Yeah, I think that's really be where a pushback <laughs> yeah, from the Bible. I mean, that's it's what not, it reveals, yes. Right? Yeah, I mean, it, it reminds you of Psalm 2. They're against the Lord and against yeah. his anointed. Right. I mean, that's just really where it gets down to Because they're it. willing to believe anything, but not anything grounded in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least the people who are, I think, being fair and leaving the faith. Now, mm-hmm. the ones who are twisting the scripture and stuff, I don't understand them at all. That's mm-hmm. that's a whole different thing. But they're willing to believe anything. I mean, they're willing to believe whatever somebody says, right? They they say something completely different of who I am. No, I'm not this. I'm I'm a dog. Yeah. Okay. I think that's why it's sure. so easy for them to, to latch on. And that's what you'll see, like in the, in the secular creed. It's easier for them to latch on to social causes because those are things that they can see in front of them, videos of atrocities mm-hmm. happening, things like that, personal anecdotes and stories that they've heard, whereas the things in Scripture seem to be this um, uh, idea that you can't touch and that doesn't really appear to have a direct involvement in my life, which we obviously don't agree that that's true. Um, but this is also, in this commandment, is also where the going through a deconstruction process where you were starting to doubt like the historicity of the Gospels, um, of the Bible, of its uh, of our ability to actually have a full and accurate and complete copy of what we have of the canon of Scripture to know what did what actually did Paul mean when he said that? That's where you know all they say that you can't go to the Bible as like your defined uh, standard because we don't know if this is actually what the Bible says. And if we do think that's what the Bible says, we can't actually understand it in their context because we don't live in their context. And so if you try to come to them and say, but this is what Scripture says, they say, well, how do you know that's what Scripture says? That was written 400 years ago or something. Or like this person in uh, 600 AD added this, right? Or like the letter to the Romans wasn't written until 500. You know, that's kind of what they believe and think. And so Mm -hmm. there is no absolute standard to judge those things by. Yeah, so it's it's pretty difficult to go through this, to ask this question. But with other, with these other things that we've gone through, these other commandments, I've tried hard to, to point out what the grain of truth is in this. I don't really think there's a grain of truth here, but I think that there's at least a place where we can try to arrive at some kind of understanding of why a person might think through this or arrive at this kind of conclusion. Well, we, I mean, I would say the personal search is very important. To everybody, that's what, I mean, Scripture, as we read it, um, it's like a mirror to ourselves, and we're reading, and we're seeing, and growing, and right, being made, and being mm-hmm. 
being changed, being convicted. Uh, and so when we read God's word, we're seeing the truth. But we also realize very quickly how we don't live up to that standard. You know, we just don't we don't live up to it. Even as Christians, even people saved by God's grace, still all the time we come across things in Scripture that we realize we just aren't meeting this and we aren't fulfilling this. And it takes personal searching. It takes this. It takes your ability. And this is what I would encourage Christians to do. Right when you hear a message or something, you're not trying to say, "Man, Paul really needs to hear this." You know, the guy sitting next to me. I'm glad the preacher's preaching this. No, it's it's an internal like I need to be thinking about where in my life. You know, what is God speaking to me about in this passage? Where, so the personal search side is actually a very important side, but we also see in Scripture, where well, this is where they run aground, is our Christian faith isn't just about me. Mm-hmm. It's about God. Mm-hmm. And it's about God's kingdom, which involves more people than me. And I'm a part of I'm a part of his kingdom, right? I'm I'm to serve him in what we what he's given us are local churches. And to love each other, we are the body of Christ, it says, right? And so that's where it runs astray in this is, yeah, it's a there's a personal aspect here, very much so. Christ died for you, very your sin. He covered your sin by his blood. But there's also others that he's put us together with that we now love and that we care for. And our basis, where we find our center, is Christ mm-hmm. and his word and the word that God has given us. And that's where we stand together on this mm-hmm. right no if ands or buts this is what centers us uh which is kind of scary i think to be in this group because like we've been saying there's just no center mm-hmm. there's no center it seems at all to agree on um so i don't know where it'll end up yeah i mean i i agree with you tim that the personal search we would all say is actually very important mm-hmm. i mean i even i even tell the youth of that this is kind of the age that they are in right now where I hope that they are going through a phase where their faith and what they believe is starting to become about more what they actually personally believe as just opposed to what they've been told their whole life. Mm-hmm. And obviously we teach young children and we want them. So there is just a stage where like you are just taught something and you understand it and you believe it. But with things within Christianity, it does come to a personal conclusion, a personal assent to belief. And that's important. I think where what you'll hear in people's deconstruction stories explicitly is that they when they expressed doubts they were go- when they were going through that personal search and they expressed doubt about something that was taught to them that they were told to believe they were ridiculed for that and they they were made fun of or they were told that they are thinking dangerously and that it wasn't necessarily i guess you'd say handled with gentleness uh, but they were, it was, it kind of come across as, and you'll see this a lot in deconversion stories as they were told they were not allowed to ask questions. And I think that this is the one area where I wouldn't call it a grain of truth, but I could understand if someone has grown up and, and was going through that personal journey to, to, to grow in the Christian faith and they didn't have a place where they were able to safely express doubts or to ask questions for clarification or things like that, I could see how a person would be really turned off to the idea of some kind of quote-unquote institutional church where they're basically shunned if they don't adhere to the group uniformity. If You know what I mean? Yeah, I think this is a problem, though, with uh, the church strategy of get them in 
and shove them down the tunnel, shove them down the tube here to get them to where we want them, right? So we try to attract as many people as possible. We get them in here and we get them to start being a part of the church right away and doing stuff. And then they become people who are doing things, but they don't know why they're doing things. And maybe that's where they feel. I've never even had the right to ask questions mm. after doing that for so long. Um, why are we doing it this way? Or does the Bible really say instead of taking your time with people, bringing them here by the word, teaching them the word, and then them having a response to the word, which is either going to be in faith, I believe this, or I reject this, you know? And so maybe it's the church being too fast. I think with people could lead, I mean, I could see it, right? Because this is coming, this progressive Christianity thing is really coming off the heels of, uh, seeker sensitivity, um, the Rick Warren model of, you know, being very intentional of getting people into the door and how to do that and get them to, with Rick Warren's model, is get them to first base, get them to second base, get them to third base, have these things to where a lot of questions weren't answered. It was us marketing and being almost manipulative to get you to where we want you to be, to where maybe a lot of people were in church saying, how in the world did I get here? I'm teaching Sunday school and I don't even know if I believe this. Well, and also <laughs> tying into that, it would be interesting to, um, again, this is where, what is your specific church context coming to? Because if they're coming from that, if you're going to Rick Warren's church or you're going to, um, other seeker sensitive churches, you're going to hear a lot of talk about the personal search. Mm-hmm. They're using the same language. They're just rejecting Christianity now because remember it was always about my personal search at the beginning mm-hmm. when I came into the church and it's still about the personal search when in actuality, because what we do to Christianity, and this is where I think um, there's, there's some continuity between how we've taught people to think about themselves in relation to Christianity and then where they embrace themselves in relation to unbelief is because I determined the reality is, as Paul talks about, um, I I passed on to you what I received from the Lord. Christianity is something to be received. You, it's a package deal. I was just reading a, a Catholic guy um, the other day, um, and he pointed out that a, a revealed religion is a package deal. You mm-hmm. get it all, or you get none. I mean, that's just the way it works. Mm-hmm. And um, but whenever we so phrase and lure people to Christianity with those with that talk of personal fulfillment personal journey, all of those things. Um, And we do want to care for individuals, but we start to make it all about them, even to get them to church. And then they continue on that quest whenever that church does not meet their needs. And the reality is, is they've actually never been uh, rooted and grounded in the truth. If they did come to know the Lord or, or have some knowledge of, of Jesus Christ, whether or not that was saving or not. Um, so I think, yeah, there's, there's continuity there, I think, between what, what Tim was saying. And that was an interesting point about, um, I wonder what kind of churches these people have come from by and large. I don't, I want, I, I'm sure there's all over the page, but I wonder if there's one type of church Mm -hmm. that would stand out above the rest. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't know I, that I don't answer. Know. I don't know that answer either. But yeah, what you were saying and then what Tim said earlier that this reveals is that the church, I don't think, has done a very good job at teaching and conditioning people to understand that Christianity is not about you. It, like you coming to faith, you being part of a church is not necessarily about your life getting better or you finding personal fulfillment, like you said, Spencer. It's more than that. You've you've been made part of a, of a group of people and this is about God. This is about the kingdom of God. 
and you've been you've been called to become part of this family. This isn't just about you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the church does its members a disservice if it talks in that way and if it conditions people in that way to think like that. But yeah, no, I mean, about the if this is a specific church, I don't know um, doing this, but the the specific aspect that comes up in this conversation that people have. Um, that 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 wouldn't agree with is the idea of church discipline. When a when a church would actually exercise oversight over a person's beliefs or lifestyle, um, and that is not received well. And so um, that's where I mean I could see like if a church like we were even talking earlier today about living with gentleness with one another, going about that process in a bad way. Um, I think could, I mean, I could see how it could turn people off to the idea of Christianity. Mm-hmm. I had a question recently from someone about church discipline. Mm-hmm. And one in my response, it was, we don't search out opportunities to do church discipline. Like That's not like an awesome, fun task. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like that's what. <laughs> I mean, you put me on that a few months ago and I couldn't find any. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean <laughs> did you go search and yeah, right, please? I, I did. Yeah. But, <clears throat> but yeah. I mean, you know, that, but I could see where. I thought about this though. So you have people running to the progressive Christianity thing. It wasn't too long ago. Maybe we're still in it. Maybe you guys remember in the evangelical world, we started to see a lot of people go to orthodoxy and Catholicism. Mm -hmm. Like that was a big trend. So it Mm -hmm. seems like it was Mm -hmm. that this is two separate things. So when you ask what kind of church are they fleeing from, I I would have to say it's the one in the middle. They were fleeing. They were fleeing probably a lot of evangelical churches saying, this isn't meeting my need. I'm going to the Catholic Church where I'm just going to take the whole package deal, tradition and all, everything that it said, right? Or I'm going to go to the Orthodox Church, or I'm going to go to this where then it's just about me and get away. So, I mean, again, I don't have these stats in front of me, but my best guess would be it's it's the churches in the middle, and I can't necessarily blame people for running from that in either direction Yeah, because when your whole church is set up for the individual you're going to make a bunch of individuals. Right. I think, I think also one of the things that comes to my mind is um, Charles Finney. And mm-hmm. um, there was that upper part of New York, I believe, and you've heard about it called the Burned Over District. Mm-hmm. Have you ever, have you ever, and that was the place where the revivalists would go through, and it became so burned over. And I think, um, if I, if I remember, understand right, it was kind of a spiritually depressed place after that. People were so worn out with bad Christianity coming through. Now, there were probably real conversions that took place through that, but there was a lot of people that were really burned by um, Mm -hmm. impure, I'm going to say, versions of Christianity. Um, And so what happens is, is then they get, they get bit by things that you, we would all say, I don't know that you really understood true biblical Christianity in its, in its essence at the very beginning. Anyway, um, that's um. It also reminds me one last thing. I'll throw a room in our uh, comment real quick. And he he points out about a, fam- a famous yeah, not uh, surprising a famous uh, deconvert Josh Harris. And he he made a comment. He said you can take um something like you can take the boy out of evangelicalism, so or something. But you or but you can't take the evangelicalism out of the boy. The point is is the things he he learned as an evangelical leader, he has continued to practice as a as a, a leader amongst the deconverts, so to speak. He's still evangelizing, mm-hmm. and he's still practicing in some ways. He's just switched the message. In some ways, 
they've just switched the message. And yeah. they're, they're, the principles, though, at some level, they still learned at wherever. And I'm not saying that's all people. I'm not making a uniform statement, but I'm just saying there's interesting parallels at the very least. <clears throat> does not mean we do want to be compassionate to these people, and we do want to understand them, and we do pray for them because we want them to come to know Jesus Christ in true um, sincerity. We do want that. Um, I'm not trying to say we don't you know, love these people. I'm just saying there's interesting parallels. Yeah. Um, anyway. I mean, you see trends. I mean, it, you have to watch it. And I think it's good for us to hear and to see and to recognize that, you know, people are running from, from churches and probably churches that we would be comfortable in, that we would enjoy. And we have to ask those questions. Are these churches maybe doing something wrong that's dangerous, that maybe it came from a good place, but maybe it's teaching something bad? And how do we balance these things well? You know, if you go to a church... And they're there to greet you as you get out of your car and they have a special space for you. And they walk you in and they give you something and they're very kind to you and they find you a good seat. And then you're, they're, they're saying jokes from the pulpit that you like and they're making you laugh because they want you to be comfortable and they're playing music and they have an atmosphere that is making you very comfortable. But they're also using this language the whole time, right, of we want you to be comfortable. We want you to be here. We want you to find a place here. You know, mm-hmm. we want you. And they're they're mentioning these things all the time. And the pastor gives a message that is very, uh, very um, agreeable that you can take in and and that is enjoyable for you. And maybe there's a few things that you could do better. And so you're going out and doing it, but it's all you centered. How can we then blame people when they create progressive Christianity that's you centered? Yeah. We've taught them that. We've yeah. taught them it is all about you. And so then when we try to say, oh, actually, it's not. I mean, there's some other things that the Bible talks about. Yeah. I was kind of thinking of like, uh, you know, you call it the bait and switch almost. That's mm-hmm. almost like what it seems like. Yeah. A church, The church that would actually follow through mm-hmm. and and say like, oh, yeah, we want to make you as comfortable as possible. This is about you. It's about you. It's about you. But oh, by the way. You actually are called to deny yourself <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. And so, like, it's about you all the way up until, whoop, actually. Yeah. And I think that maybe it's the case with people that would believe this and have gone through that kind of deconstruction. That's maybe what's happened is this kind of bait and switch almost. Mm. But I think that's that also explains why a lot of churches that give, give in so much to the what we would call seeker sensitivity that's why they end up along the more liberal and progressive side of things is because they realize – if we if we draw a line in the sand, we're not going to be able to make everybody feel comfortable anymore. Mm-hmm. They're going to feel awkward. We're going to have to ask them to do hard things. <clears throat> we're going to ask have to ask them to give up things. People don't want to naturally do that. We'll lose numbers. It all. I mean, there's a difference between trying to make visitors feel welcome mm-hmm. and catering. I mean, I think a church should be upfront about what it believes mm-hmm. and about you know that that pretty clear about beliefs that will separate it from the world around it um there's definitely lines both there's definitely lines that you could cross i mean if you want to be fair i mean we we in a way are seeker sensitive here we have heat and air conditioning we have padded pews mm-hmm. you know we try to keep the building nice mm-hmm. try to keep the lawn mowed the mm-hmm. bushes trimmed like we try to do all that stuff <laughs> we why? try we yeah. try <laughs> we try to do all that why why do we try to do that well i mean you want to be a good steward of the things god gave you but also we want the place to look good. We do want it to be comforting. We want to be very welcoming. There's a reason you have greeters at the door to say hi to people. And so, but there is a line that you cross for sure. And I think individual churches need to be 
really praying about that and thinking that stuff through is have we crossed the line? Do we need to maybe step back to things that we have done before? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you could see a, a, um, in particular, a mega church style model saying, listen, here at our church, we're about the personal search. We're not mm-hmm. about group uniformity. Right. I mean, that kind of talk has been going on for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we shouldn't be surprised that they really bought into it and they've also, they're just doing it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, similarly, the next commandment as you know, I'm not going to read it, but you know, as a similar statement, you could see people pushing back and saying, we don't, we don't want to believe in that. We believe in this. And, um, and so I think that's where it should cause us though, as a church to not only like Scott was saying, there are people that we have harmed. The church has harmed or a church, maybe I should say a Mm -hmm. church has Mm -hmm. harmed, um, and we want to make sure that we're not being a place where people can't ask questions. We want to be a place where people can express concerns, feel, I guess, vulnerable, um, and and such. On the other hand, uh, we want to make sure that we're also um, bringing people, uh, examining ourselves, and making sure that we're not in a Christian way embracing these principles either, because there's, um, we want to make sure that we're approaching things with the same. Uh, with a proper understanding so that people don't just leave our church and embrace the same things they've heard here. Um, but they're just switching, like you said, Scott, bait and switch, just mm-hmm. switching the content yeah. out. Yeah. Because this involves, uh, at least in Michael Kruger's chapter on this, the idea of correcting what people believe uh, in the idea of church discipline or correcting the way that they're living in that sense. I just want to throw a scenario at you guys that maybe uh, we'd be able to talk about a bad way to go about doing this, but then maybe what would be a biblically healthy way of going about doing this. You have, a, for instance, uh, a young man who grew up in the church. He was baptized, uh, and, so, and at our church, that would mean that you are a member of our church. So you're a member of the church. But it's it's become public knowledge that this young man is sleeping with uh, a, another uh, woman that he's not married to, right? And so as the church, this guy's regularly attending, what would be a, a bad way for the church to address that? Like I, I think that we would see that as an instance of where somebody needs to talk to this guy and say, hey, you're claiming to be a Christian, but you're not really living as one. You're actually bringing harm to the name of Christ here uh, in in the community as they see you, uh, and so what what is an inappropriate way for the church to deal with that? Well, like you mentioned with gentleness, you could just call them out from the pulpit. <laughs> That'd be harsh, yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or make references so everybody knows what you're talking about without and everybody knows name. who you're talking yeah and who about. you're talking about yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a ton of bad ways. I guess you could go about it, um, but the appropriate way is to do it very personally. Um, you could even like attack him where, you know, you mentioned to some leaders, we got to get at him. Where all of a sudden he's got people coming from every side. Yeah, and then that seems seems attacked. Yeah. An army of deacons knocking on his door. Right, right, something like that. You don't want to do that either. And so, I think depending on your relationship with that person and how well you know them as a pastor or or a leader in the church would be how you would do it. But, you know, if you knew the person, maybe trying to have a, a lunch with them or some some sort of talk. and That would be the good the appropriate, example. That's what I mean. The, right, gr- the, the good example, example of how to, to and then 
and talk. And I think it's a process. I don't think it's something that's finished in a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's mm-hmm. a process that takes a while, you know, where if, if eventually it gets to where you're saying, I don't think you can be a member here anymore. I think that's months. I mean, I really think that's a, that's a, a while of praying, hoping that God will change his mind. Even if he's saying, no, I'm not going to do this hoping like I hope I'm praying that God will change your mind. We're going to take some time. I'm going to give you some more time. If anything, almost for me, I'd rather fall on the side of too much grace. Like I'd rather have someone say, you should have kicked him out months ago than say mm-hmm. you messed up. Mm-hmm. You should never kick them out, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so just really given time meeting with, did you say the person's married? No. Oh, well, either it's way like with someone who's not their spouse. Well, I mean, it would be sinful either way. Right. But I just mean, Because I'm saying if they're married, it would be maybe meeting with him and his wife to talk about this, Mm -hmm. um, to try to work through it. Because then she would probably be a member too. And so you're trying to minister to her as well, who has her own different Mm -hmm. hurts and struggles. So there'd just be a lot lot of stuff going on there. There's a lot of ways to mess it up. Uh, I don't know if anybody has church discipline down perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, there's probably people who've been hurt and stuff, but it doesn't mean you don't do it. Yeah. I think the, the, an example of a person actually physically living out a, a way that is not in line with Scripture, like sleeping with somebody you're not married to, that's a little more clear. I think where progressive Christianity is concerned is not necessarily with the way that you are living, but it has to do with what you believe, mm-hmm. like your personal beliefs that you have when they wouldn't necessarily line up with biblical teaching. So I guess, I mean, I would leave it like what's an example you guys would think of that this is a big enough deal where you believe something different here than our church believes where somebody needs to have a conversation with you about this. Does that question make sense? I mean, like if someone denied the reality of hell, maybe yeah, something like a doctrine like that, or um, I mean, I think we would all agree that that is a, that is a, a non-negotiable for us. Um, and so, I mean, I think there could be things that you see like, you know, um, uh, somebody starts posting on Instagram like a member and it brings concerns like where they're starting to uh, like things, let's say from somebody who has a very different sexual ethic than what the church teaches. Mm -hmm. And that brings concerns that raises flags. Mm -hmm. Um, And you might not address that right away, but if you keep noticing it, let's say they're liking this stuff or now they're starting to even post some certain things where you're like, "Hmm, this is interesting that could be worthy of a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe it's not even the pastor. Maybe it's the pastor going to somebody who's close with that person and saying, what's going on? Have you noticed this? Maybe you could, could you talk with them maybe right. or, yeah. or something? Again, it depends on your relationship as a pastor with that person. I think how close you are is how you, how you deal with it. But mm-hmm. um, even something that simple, I think, could yeah. lead to where you're like, I'm just concerned of the direction that this is going mm-hmm. where this is heading you know what is going on or it might have been in a podcast i heard it was like they were saying when all of a sudden a wife starts posting pictures on facebook all the time by herself you don't see her husband anymore you don't see too much even of her kids maybe sometime or she's posting how going out with the girls again and this it's like hmm, what's going on here mm-hmm. there's something it was always family stuff and now i'm not seeing family stuff maybe something's happening here mm. that we need to encourage them in or and again it needs to be out of love not i'm spying like i'm spying on all of you trying to pick mm-hmm. out these things no it's just all this came across and there was a concern and what's going on mm. you know is something wrong right yeah right no, yeah right. we don't have a we don't have a a uh, 
if we're running the church like a church Gestapo, where we're, <laughs> yeah. we're, 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 we've got people scanning all of your face, we don't, you know, we're not doing that. Like that's it, why I don't do yeah. Facebook and stuff. Like I don't want to know everybody here's personals, with that they seem to air openly at times. Right. Like I don't want to hear this stuff. Right. I don't want to know this stuff. Right. So we don't, we're not. And honestly, if you're going out looking for it. You've already got the wrong attitude right? <laughs> yeah, as a sure. pastor, yes, so, you, so you're already yeah. in the wrong uh-huh. with the wrong attitude. Mm-hmm. And probably much of this, as well, is not simply a, it, there is procedural problems that happen in discipline, but a lot of it probably is just attitude. Um, mm-hmm. People can tell, um, you know, if you're <laughs> coming across in as you point out in your sermon, Tim, about if you're coming across in pride and just wanting to put people in their place and make sure everyone is. Um, staying in their proper sphere, then people will tell that if that's your concern or whether or not you're actually loving them and concerned for their good. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll, they'll probably be able to tell the difference. And they may not like your, the, what you're still saying, but they'll at least know that you're doing it because you are concerned for them in a sincere way. Yeah. Um, so, so probably attitude and procedure are probably... Uh, two different ways that we can For we can sure. mess this up. Yeah, the, when this I know we're getting close on time, but so this will just be one last little thing. When you hear deconstruction stories and people bringing out things about being in a a church where it was not safe, they didn't. It wasn't safe, and they weren't allowed to ask questions. Is what they'll say. The response you'll hear from their pastor or people that knew them was. You never asked me any questions. Yeah. You never actually, you, you might have felt like you weren't allowed to. But, I mean, do you think that there are things that a church can do to to, to basically establish that, to, to make people feel like it's not safe to ask questions? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Where if they ask, they will be ridiculed, shunned, in trouble. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, how do we guard against that? You, you were about to say something, Spencer. No, I think, I don't know. I'm just. I think a legalistic style of preaching and teaching can lead to that where you know you're teaching that obeying the law is what your salvation is in and it gets very strict and stringent where you feel scared to ask because you're going to step out of line and you're afraid that if you ask this question they're going to say well you're out you're obviously not a believer Mm -hmm. if you're even asking this yeah and so there's there's that I thought your question was going to be, what can you do to be more open to questions? Well, that's, I mean, I I would ask that. That's kind of the next question, I guess, Mm -hmm. too, is what, how can you encourage that? I mean, obviously, we, we recognized earlier that this is kind of, it is kind of a personal journey. That is true. Everybody has a different starting point. And, you know, just because you have, like in, on a Sunday morning, we have people that have been part of this church their entire lives and they're now in their 50s or 60s. But then you also have people that started coming to church here three mm-hmm. years ago, right? three months ago. Right. So how do you encourage that? And I don't think this is just a question for us as pastors. This is also a question for any parent that is here that has a child mm-hmm. that's part of this church right. and is learning the Christian faith. How, how do you as a parent make it safe for them to ask questions? I, I think it starts with a couple of words. Um, first of all, understanding grace. Not, not, and that means the favor of God shown to us in Jesus Christ. Because whenever you really meditate upon that, that should um, help you to realize our religion is not about you. You're not saved because you get the right answers. You're not saved because you 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 really did a great job on the personal search. You're saved by God's grace because He came and got you and brought you to Himself. Second of all, though, then humility, which is what Tim was talking about in the sermon. 
if your kids know that you're, or your family or your church, uh, if you're always prideful and arrogant, you're, you're acting based upon your understanding of your fulfillment of the law, really. And um, so grace and humility, those two things will create a culture in which it's safe to ask questions um, because uh, I just think that that's the, that's the place. The people that will be offended by those things, grace and humility, will probably be the legalists. They're offended by those things. People who are really on that personal search are, if they're really broken, really looking for answers, they will, I think that kind of an atmosphere, that culture will, they will be okay in um, because we're, we're acknowledging um, it's nothing that we've done. It's because of everything he's done and we have nothing to be prideful mm. about. So I don't know. In a church our size, I think it would be hard practically to let everybody ask questions like on Sunday morning. You can't do that, right? Or oh, even, for sure. Or even Sunday yeah. evening. Yeah. And I don't even know if that would then get good questions. But I think some things that we would try to say we've set in place to offer the opportunity for the personal search to happen would be we have Sunday school that breaks down to like some, some specific teaching things where maybe some of those questions would be answered. You're in a smaller group setting where maybe you have – would be more comfortable maybe asking the facilitator of the class after a question. Um, we also have home groups where right really we want our people and our congregation to be getting together throughout the week every so often to be there for each other and to care for each other and to love each other. And I think that's where some of this would come up and come out, you know, uh, when we're feeling comfortable with people, uh, I mean, I would love to say that the pastor's doors are always open and ready. And I think to an extent they are. Your door's often locked. I can't get in there. <laughs> My door's always locked. I can't unlock it. It actually can't be unlocked <laughs> the way it is. So, um, but at a church's size, that's just impossible. I mean, it, it's impossible to really have that. So you have to set up some other avenues uh, for that. And I would say those are the ones that we've that we've tried, you know, Um and it would hopefully be obvious who it is that we as pastors would trust you to go to to ask questions. Mm-hmm. You know, we choose people to be Sunday school teachers. We choose people to lead home groups for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, we those are people that we've entrusted with those positions of, you would say, authority in some sense. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, if you know those people, those are people that you can go talk to. And most of the time, those are people who are humble enough that if they don't know the answer, right. they, they know where to point you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I would think, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, those are there. Um, But even like in home, you know, for parents, it's hard sometimes to get your kids to ask tough questions. You know, you can give opportunity. I mean, you could set up, all right, kids, every day at 8 o'clock, we're going to sit down. I'm going to ask you, and you can ask me any question. They're never going to ask you a question. Yeah. Most of them, they're never going to say anything. They just want to watch TV again or go to bed and <laughs> get out of this awkward situation with mom or dad. And so I think it's more to what Spencer said. Hopefully you live a life of grace-filled living where they're not scared of you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in the sense of if, man, if I go out of line at all, that is just going to be so angry. And so if I'm asking this question, he's probably just going to get really angry. Yeah. Um, it's really a, a lifestyle, I think, of trying to encourage that and foster good conversation and trust uh, where you're being open and honest, maybe about questions. You know, like if you're actually doing Bible study on your own and reading God's word, be like, 
Well, I have a question today. I read this verse, and I, I have no idea what it means. It's super confusing to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. any of you know? You ask your kids, and maybe they try to answer it. But then maybe walk them through trying to answer that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to figure it out, yeah. and I'll come back to you. I think that's actually a great – you said something in there that I think is a great way to foster a kind of environment where it's safe to ask questions is just don't – don't tell them what you think. Ask them what they think mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. it, and then try to talk to them about it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you probably already think what you think. I mean, thinking of kids, especially right now. But as I you're don't talking think my kids it, think anything ever. If I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go back and listen to that sermon. Okay. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. Well, people. Everybody has an opinion about something, whether they want to talk about it or they right. know how to express <laughs> yeah. it is one yes. thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. But everybody thinks something. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, good. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening today uh, to Pastors of the Roundtable. We hope this has been a an encouraging, interesting conversation. That is and so yeah, that kind of sounds good, doesn't it? Wow. <laughs> Just close it before it gets awkward. You guys okay. are so it's unprofessional. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what to say now. Um, so thanks for listening. Take care. Have a good day. Bye. <laughs>